time for the August 12th, 2022 edition of Weekly Signals Weekly Review. A personal recollection of the last 168 hours of history, broadcasting on National Vinyl Record Day from the University of California at Irvine in the backyard of KUCI 88.9 FM. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And, as always, the king of rock and roll, Mahler, the fake news dog. Oh, you didn't sound like the king there, Mahler. No, that was a... What's going on, boy? Yes. What? Yes. Huh. Huh. Hmm. What are you going to do? We said a rough week. Yeah. I mean, you know, things happen. Yeah. Today, yeah. we'll be talking about hot female turtles. <laughs> Uh, mad honey, <laughs> euthanasia for criminals, electricity for perspiration, from perspiration. Electricity from perspiration. So we perspiration. Could, okay, got it. Crackle barrel sausage and then some. But first, did you dream last night? I did. You did? Yes. What were you dreaming about? I know I dreamt. I don't normally remember my dreams, but I remember this morning uh-huh. thinking... That I had some dreams, <laughs> but I will forget. But my no, dreams. now no, I no. cannot recall. But when I woke up this morning, I could remember my dream. Did it involve Sophia Loren? Well, <laughs> it will tonight. Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, no, I don't think no. no? Uh, I I I've been having a lot of dreams where I am very scared. You're scared. Yeah, I've I've awakened. Scared is that really a word? Scared. Scared. I didn't say us scared. I said scared. No, you said scared. Not afraid or afraid. Yeah. But freed, scared. Freed. No, I just, I've had some dreams of late that have made me question my sanity. Really? Yeah. Were you it moving just, around in them or no, were we just laying there no, I, and people you know, were I just, whipping you? I, no, I've, I've, I don't know why. I, yeah. I mean, I can't tell you other than the fact that the walls are closing in around me, but... No, other I just feel like uh, yeah, just uh, you know I'm fine for anybody who cares, but I but I just every once in a while you have a scary dream now and then, don't you? So you wake up and you think every once in a while I have a scary dream, like something. But I yeah, these are ones yeah, lately I just can't remember what scared me so much that I woke up. Oh, I jumped yeah. up out of you my jumped bed. up out yeah. of your bed and yeah. Were you I, yelling? Uh, no, I I think. I Sometimes do. when I'm in a scary dream, yeah. and I know I'm in a scary dream, I start yelling. So I wake myself up. I have done that, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, anyway. It's kind of odd, though, because it's like, why don't you just wake up? Well, yeah, I've yeah. done that where you, yeah, you let out a yell, and you're, yeah. yeah, then all of a sudden you wake up and you, you realize. You hear that reality out yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. I've had those. From the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, by day. Mm-hmm. Jumping spiders hunt their prey, stalking and pouncing like wildcats. (laughs) But at night, these pea-sized predator spiders just might dream. Spider dreams. It's pretty cool. Yeah. As they twitch their legs and move their eyes, Ivarca ericuata, a species of jumping spiders, shows something reminiscent of rapid eye movement. Wow. REM. REM is the phase of sleep when most human dreaming occurs. The study suggests that REM sleep may be more common than realized across the animal kingdom, which may help untangle the mysteries of its purpose and evolution. 
Wow. Why do we REM? Ask a spider. Yeah. Jerky movements in limbs are a marker of REM sleep, a state when most of the body's muscles go slack and the brain's electrical activity mimics being awake. And then there's the darting eyes. Yeah. Yeah, the REM eyes. That's how REM gets its name. Yeah. They were going to call themselves Stipe. <laughs> but I think they I think they made the right call. Yeah, yeah REM yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, better. But that's tricky to spot in uh, in animals' eyes when they don't have eyes that that move like spiders. Yeah. However, part of a jumping spider's eye does move. They have eight eyes total, mm-hmm. and behind their lenses, of the two biggest eyes are light-catching retinas that move to scan the environment. For all 34 spiders the researchers tested, they saw bouts of coinciding retinal limb and retinal and limb movements. Wow. In other words, REM and yeah. that kind of herky-jerky movement, typically lasting around 80 seconds and occurring every 15 to 20 minutes. So you spiders REM. Who'd have thunk? Well, again, this is the world we live in. We are finding out things about the animal world that we and insect world that we assumed were not true or could not yeah. be possible. And we're finding out that they have, many of them, appear to have a rich and fulsome experience in life, right? Where they yeah. dream, they have relationships, they, they're, they're intelligent. Uh-huh. They rent movies. They rent, they rent movies. Yeah. It's a new demographic. Uh-huh. Netflix is going whole hog on spider spiders? movies. Yeah, yeah. spider movies because huh. they've seen the wow. they've seen the data. They know. They know spiders like to sit around. Yeah, watch movies and then fall asleep. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it is kind of fascinating that they dream yeah. like that. That they have REM. Yeah, and uh, apparently uh, they're supposing that maybe what they're doing is practicing what they do because they're very acrobatic. Mm-hmm. So they're going through their lives, like we go through our lives. Yeah. They would go through their life yeah. and figure out, well, how do I make that jump a little bit better? Exactly. Do yeah. the calculation. Can I do, make that jump? Right. Or exactly. get the, the courage. Yeah. And snare that predi- predatory fly Fly yeah. that I'm after. I'm a predator, I guess, would be yeah. the word. But it, by the way, yeah, I, and I just read this about talking about, you know, a whole new demographic for... Uh, Netflix is now considering. It's one of those things they they're thinking about doing is change their name to Webflix. Wow. Yeah, that's how that's how strong this demo is. Get out of here. I'm not kidding. <sighs> how about sneezing? I love a good sneeze. Really? I'm a big sneeze fan. If I if I have to sneeze and I have to let it go, I'm usually body and soul into the sneeze. But do you ever get like repetitive sneezes yeah. where you can't stop sneezing? Mm, very rarely, but it's happened. Do you yeah. like that? Well, that then you're starting to I think you're starting to risk cardio cardio arrest at some point. Um but uh yeah. yeah I, but, I just asked if you, you liked it. No, I know gonna, that. I mean, yeah. you can have too much of a good thing. Yeah. Nathan. That's what it is. Yeah. I like to sneeze. So you don't like Remember, you know what that, that kind of sneeze where you're going <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, and you can't you can't get it out. Yeah. It's all inhale. But you know how to induce a sneeze. Mm-hmm. If you feel like you're on the brink of sneezing and you can't, uh huh, you hold I, your breath. No, I, I've done this, okay. and this what is going to sound do? gross. And people who are going to hear this are not going to think less of me for this. They're not going to think less. No, they are going. They to couldn't think possibly think. Well, less I, that's of true. You. That yeah. is true. You're right about that. And that is, you take your pinky. Your small finger. Your small finger and stick it up your nostril and uh, tickle the inside of your nostril and you will sneeze. 
But I, I, do, I do that all the time, and I can't tickle myself that way. Well, I can't. So I have. Yeah, that see, o- you're lucky. So I so have that over you, you. This is something. Yeah. Yeah, you do. <laughs> but is that something that you learned on your own? I yeah, I did. Nobody I, told nobody you. Nobody. Hey. Grandma didn't say. By the way, little. Yeah. I understand I, that. If you t- if you tickle the inside of your grandma, head, you might have been reading a scientific no, journal. No, it just came to me. Sneezing. I've done a lot of exploring of my body, and I figured that one out on my own. So yeah. Huh. Yeah. Exploration. Well, that works for you. Yeah, it does. Maybe it's like a more of a mental connection. And I don't do it in, in a crowd. If I'm sitting there at a, you know, drinking coffee with a few people, I don't stick my finger up my nose and tickle if it. If you're sneezing, but you if might I'm as in well. The, but, you think they'll think any less of you? If they saw me do that, yes, they would think well, less of me. But if I'm in the car that. driving around and I feel like sneezing, uh-huh. it's a sneezerama. If it's coming on, like I, to yeah, do it. yeah, I like to do it. From Current Biology... Sneezing is far from a uniquely human behavior. Mm. In fact, sneezing doesn't even require a nervous system, let alone a (laughs) nose. And dates back to some of the first multicellular animals, sponges. Mm. So you might have be part sponge. (laughs) The sponge has been around for at least 600 million years. As filter feeders, sponges play a crucial role in their aquatic ecosystems, drawing in water filled with organic matter, processing it, and releasing it as waste that organisms like snails, brittle stars, and tube worms feed on. Tube worms. Tube what other kind are there? I don't know. You know, they're all tubes. Ew. Tube worms. Well, I got a new name for something. <laughs> A sponge is basically an animal that has a lot of little mouths on and one or several larger outflow openings, said Dr. Jasper de Goish, head researcher on this project. Mm-hmm. For years, scientists have known that sponges can regulate their water flow with a many minutes long body contraction or what we like to call a sneeze. Wow. But now, Dr. Degoge and his colleagues have found that sponges appear to sneeze as a form of self-cleaning, releasing waste particles in mucus. So they have all these little mouths, and they just they have a, a little uh, movie of this, a current biology, showing these little sponges. Just One sponge, really, with all these little openings, just kind of sneezing out this, this stuff. Good for him or her. Good for the sponge. the sponge. Yeah, having a good time. It's a Mardi Gras down there in <laughs> Spongebob. Yeah, yeah. Never knew this about you before, well, that you really like sneezing. Again, if if you see me stick my finger up my nose, yeah, I could be trying to sneeze. Mm. I'm just saying it's a possibility. If this news makes you want to sneeze, may I recommend a donation to KUCI? God bless you. Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio, KUCI, 88.9 FM. Were you ever friends with a turtle? Yes. Friends, uh, yeah. Yeah, friends. Buster. Well, I don't like to call, you know, do you own a turtle? I didn't own it. Really I really no, ever no. have a turtle. What does that mean? No, my, my, but being when friends we li- with one, when my parents lived up you in have a pet. Is, you know, yeah, we, have, we actually had, uh, I think, three or four big turtles in the house that I lived in. Not it, tortoises, but turtles? That's a good question. What's the difference? I One's big? 
That, well, then it must have been tortoises because they were well, big. I guess it could have. There's probably some other difference. I think tortoises are uh, more land-oriented, and turtles are the amphibious kind. Then we, had, you know tor- I mean? they, then we had tortoises. More than likely. To, yeah, we yeah. had some big ones in uh, the, the home up in the valley. I'll just say that. Big, uh, big tortoises. Big one. We had three. I think we had three of them. Did you go we, out and we, purchase? Yeah, a I never really communed with them. I never spent a lot of time with them. Uh-huh. They're pretty content out there. We had rose bushes. They seemed to like to eat the petals off of the rose bushes, yeah. and they were happy as clams. Uh-huh. Can you say that? Did they die? I, we moved. I don't remember what happened. And you just the, left the tortoises. The turtle. Behind? I don't think the tortoises made. I know they didn't make the journey down here. Huh. I don't know what happened to them. That's a good question. I'm going to huh. ask my dad when I get home. Because huh? this is now, what did we, did we euthanize them? I, I don't know if they just, you know. I don't know if, yeah. But we, we gassed them on our them? way out the door. I don't, I don't know. Why but would you do that? I didn't I didn't do it. I know I didn't have anything to do with them being killed. But Maybe they bought your house. Maybe, well, they're, they're, huh? there's maybe some real scratch in, there. uh, in rose petals, and maybe uh-huh. they were cashing in. I don't know. I don't know. From The Guardian, nearly every sea turtle born on the beaches of Florida in the past four years has been female, according to scientists. Oh, I saw this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so this has nothing to do with tortoises. Apparently not. It's turtles. The spike in female baby turtles comes as a result of intense heat waves triggered by a growing climate crisis that is significantly warming up the sands on some beaches. According to the National Ocean Service, if a turtle's eggs incubate below 82 degrees Fahrenheit, the turtle hatchlings will be male. Hmm. If the eggs incubate above 89 degrees Fahrenheit, the hatchlings will be female. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Temperatures that waver between two extremes will result in a mix of male and female. In other words, it won't be, you know, trans or anything like that. It'll be... Uh, yeah. You know, a little male, a little female, you yeah, know, yeah, both, because yeah, yeah. the weather goes back and forth. Wow. You got to wonder about that, though. If, is that you know, a harbinger? Gender, yeah, if gender yeah. is fluid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what happens? Yeah. Uh, well, with with temperatures. Yeah. It's Maybe that's what we're doing. Could be. Yeah. I don't know, but that's an interesting I story. It. I doubt it too. The uneven male to female ratio is a growing concern among scientists who worry that the sea turtle population will eventually become stunted and lack genetic diversity. Currently, we don't have the male to female ratio needed for a successful breeding season in some parts of Florida. That's really fascinating. You think? Yeah, I do. Well, the, the odd part to me is that. The gender depends on the heat. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. You think it would depend on is all sorts a, of stuff. Is and, that a harbinger for uh, the mammals here, uh, the two-legged mammals here? Us? <laughs> you mean if it gets really hot, they'll just be females? Just a bunch of women. Yeah. I think the planet might Maybe. be better off with that. I'll stop it. I hate that kind of stuff. I know. Yeah. That's why I said it. Only women rule the world. Only <laughs> women are, rule. Yeah. <laughs> Good Judge God. Judy. Try could... it sometime. Just <laughs> sitting around there eating chocolates, <laughs> popping bonbons, and complaining. Judge Judy. Get to work. Judge Judy's president of the United States. I know. Just kidding. States. I know. Just kidding. I know. You know I'm yeah, just I know. Kidding. Nathan was just I respect, kidding. Nathan's respect women kidding. immensely. Yeah. Although, you know. Judge Judy. I don't, I don't know how good of a job to be at running this place. Yeah. Give it a crack. What's, Go ahead. Judge Janine. Could, she could be in charge. Judge Janine. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> Is that really a person? I, I mean, don't when she know. goes to sleep, you know, goes home at night yeah. and takes off the mask, what's behind that thing anyway? What a 
What a shrew she is, too. <laughs> Can I say that? Did I? Well, <laughs> if it was a man, you could probably a lot easier. It makes it tougher. No, I, I stand. I stand by my statement. She's a shrew. <laughs> yeah, she is. I. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, much worse than a shrew. <laughs> I could think of other names other for names her. And some of them would spoken. get me kicked <laughs> off the station. Yeah. But yeah, from The Guardian, a disoriented brown bear cub believed to have become intoxicated after eating an excessive amount of, bad, of mad honey. This is about mad honey, Mike. Mm -hmm. Was rescued in northwestern Turkey. There was a little bear. He um, had too much of this mad honey. <laughs> mad honey. Yeah. Footage showed the female bear wobbling and whining as she sat belly up in the back of a pickup truck <laughs> after people rescued the visibly debilitated animal from the forest. Yeah. Mad honey, or delebal in Turkish, is produced in small quantities by beekeepers in the Kaktar Mountains above the Black Sea, the only place in the world other than the foothills of the Himalayas where indigenous species of rhododendrons produce a potent neurotoxin called grayanotoxin. Wow. Rhododendrons, you've seen those flowers yeah. before. Yeah, yeah. 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 Apparently, they can get you high. If bees feed on enough rhododendron nectar, the mud-red honey they produce has a sharp scent and bitter taste, and for mammal consumers, a potential high. Wow. A small spoonful eaten on its own or taken with hot water or boiled milk is enough to induce a mildly hallucinogenic or euphoric state. It is often taken in milder form before breakfast as a traditional treatment for hypertension, impotence, and a number of other conditions. Fast. Mad honey. Mad honey. Get yourself some of that. that sounds... Kind of sounds like a Van Morrison song. Huh? <laughs> Yeah, a uh, little mad honey backstory right here. I'll yeah, that's you. A, you want really, some mad honey? I yeah. want to try some mad honey. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking myself. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Is it is it contraband outside of the regions where it's grown? I well, wonder. they didn't get into that. I, I, I can't imagine. My guess is, you know, you could probably buy it at Mother's Market. Yeah, yeah, it, it, but in a diluted counter. form. Yeah, yeah, in a very diluted form. Well, they'll call it mad honey. Yeah, mad but, honey. Yeah, right. I'm going to ask because all it is, it's just rhododendron. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could practically make your own if you had bees right. around a lot of rhododendron. In fact, they ought to make it and make it pure rhododendron honey right. to this mixture. Yeah, and it's it's uncut, yeah. uncut red honey. Uh, okay, now yeah, this is the, the backstory of because uh, it adds interest. Okay, let's go. You know, you're thinking, mad honey, what did it ever do? Mm -hmm. The Roman general Pompey the Great's career was almost derailed by an early misadventure with mad honey. Pompey was pursuing the army of Mithridates, Mithridates, mm -hmm. the sixth Mithridates the sixth. So there were a bunch of other Mithridates. Oh. Mithridates VI, back in 97 BC, when in a stroke of military genius, the Greco-Persian king, Mithridates, ordered his troops to place bowls of the locally produced mad honey in the path of the advancing Romans and Pompey the Great. Mm -hmm. So they, put, they laid out some bowls for the army. Three detachments of soldiers found it, slurped it up, became delirious, and fainted as they succumbed to its psychedelic effects. Wow. Yeah. Mithridates' troops returned to find Pompey's men incapacitated and proceeded to slaughter the lot of them. Oh, my God. Yeah. So don't eat the mad honey is my uh, recommendation yeah. to you. You know, 
Yeah, that's wild. It, I, during the 50s and 60s when the CIA was experimenting with LSD, right? Yeah. One of the reasons that they wanted to turn it into some kind of vapor, some sort of weaponize the LSD was to do exactly what you just described, which which would have been to decapitate or de- incapacitate. Yeah, I don't know if they planned planned the slaughter, but they did. No, plan no, I'm sorry. I said even that whole population, yeah. just kind of spray the stuff, spray it and, over a city. Yeah, and people and, would be giggling and stuff yeah, like that, and, and then you just walk, just walk right, right in. in. Yeah, 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 that's right. So, not a the idea of red honey is is carried forward to modern times. In fact, they say they even did try it uh, on uh, Pont Saint Paris, Esprit, Pont Saint Esprit. It's a town in France. Okay, actually. Uh, right near Sardaz, okay, which is where they manufacture it. Oh, okay. And so they say it was a uh, a spray of LSD. Also, some people say it was the sourdough bread. Hmm. That's what they say. Okay. From Reuters News Service. Reuters. I know Reuters. A beluga whale swam halfway to Paris on the Seine. Oh. You know the river there. Yeah, a beluga, beluga whale. French authorities are considering whether to transport the whale back to sea or to keep the animal longer in a saltwater tank to nurse it back to health. The beluga, which normally lives in Arctic and subarctic waters, is now being confined in a ship's lock and has received vitamins and antibiotics. I read about this story midstream, if you will, that it was it was stuck on a some kind of barge of some sort of area. It was stuck on the river, and they weren't sure if they were going to be able to save it. So you're telling me they're not sure if they can be able to save it. Our goal is to protect this animal. So we need to study how to do this and avoid mistakes. Okay, it'll be difficult. But our target is that it can reach the sea. Yeah, that's what they want to do. A French official said in late May, a gravely ill orca swam dozens of miles up the Seine and died of natural causes after attempts to guide it back to the sea failed. Mm -hmm. So they're hoping for better luck with the beluga yeah, there. That's good. I'd, I'd be crazy if you know you're on the Seine. Yeah. And you're just floating along in a little rowboat or something, and there's a whale. And there's a beluga whale. Yeah. They're 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 cute. Belugas. Yeah. They're they're dolphin like in their appearance. They Baby have... beluga in the deep blue sea. <laughs> they have very very nice faces. You like their faces? I like their faces. Well, I learned a lot about you today, Mike. Yeah. Sneezing. Sneezing and belugas. Yeah. And turtles. Tortoises. You Don't own forget. some tortoises. or Well, owned. I cohabitated. I, yeah, I was friends with some, with some tortoises. Get yourself in trouble. And, I had a, and we had, um, Audrey and I uh, had a little turtle. I know it was a turtle because uh-huh. it liked the water. Called, named Buster. Buster Turtle. Uh-huh. We used to call him Buster the Bastard. Buster the Bastard? Mm-hmm. Why would you? Because we just call him our little bastard. Yeah, for some reason I don't know. Turtles. It or was endearing. Don't seem like something it, you're going to call. No, a it was an endearment. It was a term of endearment. But even at that, I mean, they move so slow. What yeah, possibly we, they can? We just call. Can they we do? used to call him our little bastard. Like I said, I I like. Like, like the the tortoise had sprung from her loins. From our, yeah, from yeah. our collective loins. 
You were part <laughs> well, of the I process? Mean, if we're going to take this oh, do you mean a little conception. Tr- yeah, the whole thing. You I mean, mean the you conception. Know, yeah, the whole you actually yeah. fathered a, a little bastard. Inseminated yeah, fought, the woman who I've, gave birth to a tortoise, oh, is what bat- you're saying. Turtle. Little bastard. Turtle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you jumped now. You jumped from your tortoises to turtles. Little, I asked you if you ever were friends with a turtle. Yeah, and you go back I to said tortoises. At the very beginning, you well, go back and fact, listen to the tape. Sir, you were friends I with a turtle. S- I did say yes, Buster, and then you <sighs> flipped to tortoise. I went crazy and I started going along with that. So I didn't flip the tortoise. Well, you, we got there somehow. You mentioned the tortoise. We got. <laughs> we got there somehow. You said you had two. The very or three beginning tortoises. of the story. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah we uh, have two or three of them up in Sun Valley. Then I switched over. Sakes. Yeah, I said that too. Yes, from the journal Nature. Few biological facts seem as irrevocable as brain death, especially now in this studio. <laughs> it has long been assumed that when we die, our neurons die with us, with us. But in a new study, researchers restored electrical activity in human retinas, the light-sensitive neural tissue that sits at the back of our eyes and communicates with our brains from recently deceased organ donors. Mm. This is good stuff. Mm-hmm. This achievement offers a better way to study eye diseases like age-related macular degeneration, a leading cause of vision loss and blindness. could also lay the groundwork for reviving other types of neural tissue and perhaps one day for retinal, retinal transplants. Yeah. That's wild. Good news. For the study, the researchers tested, first tested how long mouse retinas could send electrical s- signals from after the animals were euthanized. You know? Mm-hmm. They, kind of killed them there and then measured their electrical signals. They were able to restore this activity up to three hours later and found that a lack of oxygen was the main factor in irreversible loss of function. They then investigated human eyes that the researchers obtained from organ donors very soon after brain or cardiac death and were able to reestablish electrical activity in light-sensitive cells called photoreceptors as well as in the neurons these cells connect to. In the donor eyes. Mm-hmm. If the eyes were obtained less than 20 minutes after death. Yeah. So we need your eyes pretty soon after you mm-hmm. die. Yeah. The results show it was possible to restore, restore not just individual retina cells, retinal cells, but the communication between them. God. This new work illustrates the importance of donor tissue to basic science. We are very thankful for the donors and their families, researchers said. We hope this will encourage people to check that box in their driver's license and also be willing to donate tissues for research. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us on the web at KUCI.org, on Facebook at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9 on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com and on Twitter and Instagram at KUCIFM. Nathan, would you would you say something to Mahler? He's out there licking himself again. I know, he's been <laughs> curiously quiet. Yeah, he has been, and I, yeah. he, but I know why. Mahler! I know why he's been licking it. He's out there licking himself Mahler! again. <laughs> Give it a rest. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Jesus. Somebody sent me a, a, a text. They, I thought they just sent you a nice musical sound. A little bing? Yeah, they sent you a nice musical thing. Yeah. Yeah, boy. Yeah. Ah. 
Yeah, now it's time for ethical questions in the news. <laughs> uh, that's the theme song to ethical questions well, that's in the a news. Very... Today's question, if you're arrested for a crime, should you have a right to euthanasia? If you're arrested for a crime, should me, the perpetrator of the crime, have as an option euthanasia? Yeah. So I'm saying, go ahead and kill me. Yeah. No. Okay. From The Guardian, a Spanish court has ruled that a man who was accused of firing on colleagues in a rage before being shot in the spine by police and turned into a paraplegic can avoid trial, can avoid trial, because he has the right to end his life. Oof. Okay. Last December, Marin Eugen Sabal, a Romanian security guard, allegedly fired on his former co-workers at a security company in Tarragona in eastern Spain, seriously injuring three people. He later shot and injured a police officer before being severely wounded by police marksmen. The National Court in Tarragona upheld an earlier court ruling that, given his condition, Sabal had a fundamental right to euthanasia under a law passed last year. The court said the law had not anticipated a situation where a person facing criminal charges might request assisted dying. The decision was ejected by, rejected by lawyers representing the wounded police officer who has appealed to the Constitutional Court. Wow. As you read that story, Nathan, that became a little more complex and interesting. So, He's facing a life where he will be a paraplegic. Because of his actions and the, and the response right. by police. Right. And now the courts have given him the option to end his own life. Uh-huh. Because he's a paraplegic now. Yeah. Right. And he's suffering pain. Yeah. Well. No, I don't know. I don't know either. I think he should serve his time. Yeah. I kind of think that. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, maybe there should be exceptions to that, but I think part of serving your time is serving your time. Yeah. It's not saying, well, I think I'll die instead. But I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, from CNN, an update to the saga of Emmett Till. Okay. Grand jury in Mississippi has declined to indict the white woman who accused 14-year-old Emmett Till of making advances toward her nearly 70 years ago, allegations that led to the black teen's brutal death. We all know that story. Yep, I think we do. A Lafleur uh, County grand jury last week heard seven hours of testimony from investigators and witnesses, but said there was insufficient evidence to indict Carolyn Bryant Dornham on charges of kidnapping and manslaughter. Family members of Emmett, whose killing in the Jim Crow era South spurred the civil rights movement in America, said earlier this, this summer that they had unearthed an unserved arrest warrant for Bryant Dornham, her late husband, and his brother. So they found this whole arrest warrant for all three of them. Right. The warrant is dated August 29th, 1955. A note on the back of the warrant says Bryant Donham was not arrested because she could not be located at the time. Mm. So they tried to go through this indictment now. Deborah Watts, a cousin of Emmett Teal, said that this, the decision uh, 
not to indict Brian Donham was very disturbing, but the family refuses to give up. We vow that the pursuit of accountability and justice for Emmett Till will continue, she said. Emmett Till's death will not be in vain. In 1955, the two men arrested for Till's murder were acquitted by an all-white jury. The two men laughed at the trial and later admitted to the killing in a 1956 interview with Look Magazine. Jesus. I remember that. I remember that when that cover came out. Yeah. You know, the two men laughing. And then yeah. later on when they had... Uh, Admitted. The, and yet, yeah. nothing, nothing. The decision on the part of Emmett's mother to, for an open casket at the service uh -huh. and the photograph that went out to millions of Americans helped spur a, a lot of people to action around civil rights. Yep. Yep. Oh, that was sobering. Well, yeah. Yeah. From Health Day. Let's move on to the end of the world now. I okay. mean, as long as we're on this sobering end, mm -hmm. or as we like to call it, the soft apocalypse. Okay. According to a new analysis, flooding, heat waves, and drought have made 58% of infectious diseases worse. Yeah. Researchers found that 218 of the known 375 infectious diseases have been made worse by climate change, including malaria, hantavirus, cholera and anthrax <laughs> Jeez. anthrax yeah the researchers found that torrential rain and flooding made people sick through mosquitoes rats and deer that carry germs also warming oceans and heat waves taint seafood and other food while droughts increase the number of bats that carry viruses yeah the findings of the study are terrifying and illustrate well the enormous consequences of climate change on human pathogens, Dr. Carlos Del Rio, an Emory University infectious disease specialist, said. Those of us in infectious diseases and microbiology need to make climate change one of our priorities, and we need to all work together to prevent that what will be, without doubt, a catastrophe as a result of climate change. Yeah, I <laughs> don't know what to say. Researchers also looked at other illnesses, including asthma, allergies, and animal bites. See how many of these were connected to climate change. They found that of the nearly 300 illnesses, more than 220 of them were worsened by climate change. There's no speculation here whatsoever. These are things that have already happened, said lead study author Camilla Mora a climate data analyst at the University of Hawaii. They're, we, just, they're just reporting. They're not, this isn't like speculation at all. Right. They're just saying this is happening right now. Due to, and, due to the warming yeah. of the planet. Yeah. The idea that we as a species would be able to master, to reign over nature without consequence uh -huh. is crashing down around us. Huh? The idea that we could do that as a species. Reign over nature? That we could, we could lord over, go back to the Bible, dominion over. Well, it was an idea. It was an idea <laughs> yeah. that was hatched. Oops. That came out in a, in a, in a uh, very funny book many thousands of years ago. Uh -huh. And now has become the way of life for so many uh -huh. hundreds of millions of people that... Uh -huh. 
it's the consequences of such are raining down upon us. I think Satan wrote the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. From Gizmodo. One month ago, on July 12th, the first colored images from the Webb Space Telescope showed countless nebulae, galaxies, and a gassy exoplanet as they had never been seen before. Kind of cool-looking stuff. But Webb only collects infrared and infrared and near-infrared light, which the human eye cannot see. So where are all these colors coming from? Yeah. That's the question. Image developers on the web team assign various infrared wavelengths to colors on a visible spectrum, the familiar reds, blues, yellows, and so on. But while the processed images from the web team aren't literally what the telescope saw, they're hardly inaccurate. Accurate. Something I've been trying to change people's minds about is to stop getting hung up on the idea of, is this what, what this would look like if I could fly out there in a spaceship and look at it? ain't going to happen. I mean, you wouldn't, you mm. wouldn't see these things, period. Mm. This is according to Joe De, De Pasquale, a senior data image developer at the Space Telescope Science Institute. Because many of the most interesting objects in space are shining brightly in ultraviolet X-rays and even radio waves, which category light falls into depends on the photon's wavelength. Astronomy is often done without the visible, visible spectrum. They're looking at things we can't see. They're getting readings of them. The Webb telescope is designed to see infrared light whose wavelengths are longer than red visible light, but shorter than microwaves. I think there's some connotations that go along with colorizing or false color that imply there's some process going on where we're arbitrarily choosing colors to create a color image, this Pasquale said. Representative color is the most preferred term for the kind of work that we do because I think it encompasses the work that we do of translating light to create a true color image, but in a wavelength range that our eyes are not sensitive to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Mm -hmm. What you're seeing, you wouldn't see. Yeah. It's readings that we're getting from light sources that are retinas. Right. So if you were dealing with, so if you're cruising around in the Enterprise, yeah, you wouldn't see that what we see from from that, these photographs, from yeah. these photographs, which have been spectacular. And I'm just contrasting that story with our previous conversation about the the funny book, the funny book, and yeah. science. Uh huh. If you want to be awed by the world in which we live and try to begin to understand our place in it, yeah, this is where you should begin. Uh huh. Well, fortunately, we have it now, but yes. we didn't back then. I understand. So we made stories. We could it. look up and see something that was beyond us and kind of understand that, yeah, you're right. I'm not going to get into that. That's, that's yeah. Right, yeah. From Nature Communications, researchers have figured out how to engineer a bacterial biofilm to be able to produce continuous electricity from perspiration. I'm all in on this one. They can harvest energy in evaporation and convert it to electricity, which could revolutionize wearable electronic devices from personal medical sensors to electronics. Gotcha. The surface of our skin is constantly moist with sweat. It's constantly. It's con even if you're dry. <laughs> it's not like you have to be dripping sweat. Right. Yeah. So a small, thin, clear, and, bio and flexible biofilm worn like a Band-Aid can do the trick. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. 
The process relies on evaporation-based electricity production, the hydrovoltaic effect. Water flow is driven by evaporation between the solid biofilm and the liquid water, which drives the transport of electrical charges to generate an electrical current. That's what it does. And speaking of technological advances, mm -hmm. we're losing a lot of things to advanced technology. Which are some uh, audio cassettes. <clears throat> yeah. Telephone booths. Yeah. Pagers. Remember those? <laughs> yeah. Never had one. Did you ever have a pager? Nah. I'm surprised. It was kind of a drug deal thing. Yeah, I was I just going to say, yeah. yeah. Back then. Yeah. It was a drug deal thing. Really, yeah. it was, yeah. DVDs? I have way too many DVDs, but okay. Yeah, but we're starting to lose them. Uh, Fax machines. Yeah. VHS tapes. Yeah, that's for sure. Do you have many of those? Yeah, I do, actually. Yeah. All my all my lettermans I recorded. I, I have, like, hundreds of hours of lettermans. I just, uh -huh. yeah. And, of course, you watch them every night. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. They're sitting in the garage, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Slide projectors, phone books, typewriters, and don't ever forget the clapper. <laughs> You just don't see the clapper anymore. You don't. But just think about the clapper and its inspiration for so many other technologies uh, that came after I'm it. I'm going to turn the lights off here in the KCI studio because we still have a clapper. <laughs> there we go. Oh, wow. I can see it. That's yeah, pitch black in here. Mahler. Yeah, I think I he. Where's the mic? Where's the mic? I don't know. I, I, Wait a second. Mahler. <laughs> oh, oh, there you go. There we go. He thought we left. He thought we were gone. That's a, yeah. Yeah. Don't do that again. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> From Petapixel, according to a new report, almost every major camera manufacturer has either openly discontinued his point and shoot line of cameras, or its point of shoot line and cameras, or has not produced a new one in many years. Point and shoots, they're over with, as if you didn't know. Mm -hmm. Smart. Phones have all but totally replaced these cameras. The point-and-shoot camera market has been experiencing a massive collapse in worldwide shipments over the last decade and a half. Since 2008, when worldwide shipments reached about 111 million cameras, the market has shrunk and fallen to about 3 million units as of 2021. It's a 97% drop. That is a big drop. Yeah, if you were <clears throat> thinking point-and-shoot... Yeah, I'm going to ride this out for the rest of my life. Right. Well, so by that, you mean non-digital cameras that you just wouldn't go out and oh, shoot. Oh, even digital. And even digital. Yeah, okay. even digital. Any, any camera that you literally just you yeah, know, yeah. Okay. aim at something, just a uh, portable, compact cameras is what they're talking right, about. Right, Yeah. Well, and from the Atlantic, the manual transmission. Remember those? Shift sticks are dying. Stick shifts. Oh, stick shifts. Oh, I got you. Yeah. They're done. Yeah, okay, I got you. Sorry. Did I say shift shifts? Well, you said something. It just, I didn't manual think about manual transmission. transmission. I don't, I was. You think this is a friend of mine? <laughs> manual transmission? <laughs> stick okay. shifts are dying. In 2000, more than 15% of new and used cars sold by the auto retailer CarMax came with stick shifts. Yeah. By 2020, that figure had dropped to 2.4%. Among the hundreds of new model uh, car models for sale in the United States this year, only about 30 can be purchased with a manual transmission. Gotcha. 
Electric cars, which now account for more than 5% of car sales, don't even have gearboxes. There are rumors that Mercedes-Benz plans to retire manuals entirely by the end of the year all around the world in a decision driven partly by electrification. Volkswagen is said to be dropping its own by 2030, and other brands are sure to follow. Stick shifts have long been a niche market, niche market in the U.S., and soon they'll be extinct. So tell me the couple of cars that come to mind for you that were stick shifts. Well, I drove a lot of stick shifts. Porsche. I mean, you had a Porsche. A little a Porsche. Stick? Yeah. A Volkswagen. Yeah. A Saab. Oh, you had a Saab. Okay. I had a Honda. Mercedes sedan. I think that was yeah, a stick. Like three or four Mercedes sedans. Yeah. Okay. These were all cheap cars. Don't get any wrong ideas about me. Well, the Porsche was probably... It was a Volkswagen Porsche. It was a 914. Okay. Okay. It was the cheapest Saab on the market. Yeah. Okay. The Mercedes especially is what I'm driving at. They were... I, I would buy used diesel Mercedes yeah. uh, during the 90s. Yeah. That already had a quarter of a million miles on them. Wow. You get them real cheap. Yeah. And they were called the Berlin Taxi, yeah. generally. Yeah. The yellow ones were. And they would go forever, pretty much. If, if you had a good mechanic, yeah. you could get yeah. Uh, yeah. get half a million miles on it. Yeah. If it, if it weren't for the Volkswagens that I bought, uh-huh. I only had one other stick, which was a... My second car, a Ford Econoline van, three on the tree, they called it. Ooh, three on the tree, four on the floor. That's right. So there you go. And finally, from the Washington Post. Did you ever go to Cracker Barrel Restaurant, Mike? No. Never ever? Not that I recall and not that I would ever do it on my own. Cracker Barrel is a place where you can feast on meatloaf, chicken and turkey, beef and pork. Those are plates in and of themselves. Yeah. You order the chicken and turkey or the beef and pork. Or how about smoked sausage and bacon, seated next to a stone hearth, just Mm -hmm. gobble that stuff up. But Cracker Barrel's country vibe was apparently shattered when the chain announced on Facebook that customers could customize their breakfast plate with a plant-based protein as a replacement for their traditional bacon or sausage. (laughs) Discover new meat frontiers, Cracker Barrel wrote in its post. The blowback was immediate and intense. If I wanted a salad, I would, in fact, order a salad. Stop with the plant-based meat crap, wrote one uh, former customer. Oh, no. The Cracker Barrel has gone woke. It really is the end times, said someone else. (sighs) Cracker Barrel responded the way you'd expect a 21st century firm to uh, respond. Yeah. We appreciate the love our fans have for our all-day breakfast menu. At Cracker Barrel, we're always exploring opportunities to expand how our guests experience breakfast and provide choices to satisfy every taste bud. Whether people want to stick with traditional favorites like bacon and sausage or are hungry for a new nutritious plant-based option like Impossible Sausage. Meanwhile, another Facebook comment read... Imagine getting upset because a menu option exists at a restaurant. Relax, Trumpers. You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. We 
weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.